0: <laughs> so well, I want to rip the left field that ball. is going to
1: be over the head of one up against the wall. Sanchez will be at second with a double. His first extra base hit. Welcome to the Extra Base Podcast. Um, I'm Jeevo, and Roger's ditched me. What a nice bloke. Um, haven't heard from Roger. Roger was on a streak, but obviously that streak's now ended because he's not here. But um, anyway, tonight's special guest is Mark McGuire. We're going to speak about all things not only Castle Hill Baseball, but also get some insight into, obviously, Sun Solomon and. You know, the things that Mark's learnt going through the process of his son signing pro. So what we'll do, we'll just bring Mark in. Hey, Mark, how are you going?
0: I am, Matt. I'm in fine form indeed. Looking forward to this little interview that we're about to have.
1: Well, you know, not every day not get to come on, a, not every day you come on an award-winning show like ours, so...
0: I know, I know Letterman all these other guys don't, don't even compete i'm I'm here with extra base and this is all i I could die tomorrow because I've lived my dream now
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know some people have come on to some bigger and better things after coming on our podcast, so um some people have been cancelled, some people have been put in jail, so you know it is what it is, but um you know hopefully that's it's the earlier part going on bigger and better things rather than getting put in jail. But um, yeah, look, mate. It's um, it's always a pleasure to get someone on of um, of your of your caliber. Um, you know, there's so many questions I had about Castle Hill Baseball Club, and I thought there's no better person to do it than actually speak to someone from Castle Hill. And obviously, being the current uh, Junior VP, I thought, well, he's a guy that knows a little bit about baseball and what goes on within the club.
0: Well. So the sound is coming – I have bad internet connection here, so therefore the sound is uh, coming through a little bit uh, haphazard. So the question is, you want me to – how did I start with Castle Hill Baseball? What was the actual question? So could you repeat that, Matt?
1: Yeah, let's, let's go with how did you start with Castle Hill?
0: Okay. It was a fluke because my son turned up to try T-ball when he was – about to turn five and I wanted him to play cricket. I wanted him to play soccer. I had no thought at all of him ever playing baseball. And the reality is I turned up to his try T-ball day when I was meant to try turn up to my daughter's uh, Samuel Gilbert dance in the hall. And my wife said, oh, can you take Solomon down to try T-ball and I'll do the dance? I went, no, I want to do the dance. You can, um, I don't have to do, try T-ball. And so I went down there. He did try T-ball. He loved running around the bases. And then Nigel Hearn, the great coach from Castle Hill, he got all the parents together and he said, if none of you parents want to coach, if none of you parents put your hand up, there's going to be no team and your kid won't play. And being the good sinner that I was, I put my hand up, came forward not knowing anything about the game, not even liking the game. And I came forward and said, I'll do it. I'll coach. They didn't even give me a castle little hat in the first year. I had to wear my Manly Sea Seagulls cap the whole year, training a team that I had no idea what to do. And yet somehow we didn't even win a game. We made one out in the Whole year, and that was only because the ball was hit hard to first base, it ricocheted off the first baseman and he just happened to pick it up in the time, that was the only out we made the year, the team, and for some strange reason, I then became T-Ball Coach of the Year out of all the other T-Ball teams. (laughs) I think they were just setting me up because after that, they said, oh, can you become T-Ball Coordinator now? Again, not knowing anything about the game. I became coordinator of all the T-ballers teams, and we had a lot of T-ball teams, as you probably know at Castle Hill. And then um, Nigel Hearn tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'm training you up to be vice president of juniors because nobody knows me anymore, and they all know you. And so, therefore, you're going to be vice president. And I became vice president of juniors, not that I wanted it. Still, I've never hit a ball in my life, I've never thrown a ball in my life, except for my son in BP practice. And then after a few years of that, the president, Mark Gilchrist, stepped down and said, hmm, who's going to take over? And, again, everybody stepped backwards, and I was the last man standing. And I then... Right.
1: So zero baseball knowledge, but can throw a good BP. I have seen footage of you throwing BP, so... I know you're quite handy at throwing BP.
0: Oh, my son will only, have, if it's any competition, like Funky Phil's um, home, He'll my son will only get me because he knows I measure nine paces back because that's the distance I can throw. I will adjust the L frame for it and he knows I can throw it right there on his. Do you use language in this show? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it
1: doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: As Scott Tunkard said, no, as Shipley said to me, he said, you threw it all day right down on his dick all day long And because that's all I've ever practised doing for him, throwing it at him. I can't throw kerbals. I can't throw anything except throwing it exactly where he needs it and that's why he won the competition. It yeah. wasn't him. It was all me. It was the <laughs> thrower.
1: <laughs> You're only as good as your thrower. I get that. So. So, Mark, you know, we, we talk about, you know, obviously, you know, being a T ball coach and being T baller Coach of the Year, which you know that's that's a, a feat within itself because you know I, I know a lot of coaches that have never had an award, let alone in their first year.
0: And yeah, Matt, they were setting me up.
1: Well, they've done a good job because you're still there.
0: I took a sabbatical for 3 years after Solomon got oh no, I know he signed and then for 3 years I dumped it on Matt Watson because he, he um uh, because I I just wanted a break and I only yeah. came back in the because my wife said to me "Honey I miss you being part of baseball" and she thought I'd just coach an under eight team she thought that but then I saw a dirty great hole of v p of juniors, and I put my hand up saying, "All right, I'll do it. There's a hole there. I could and I'm a pretty lousy v p of juniors right now. I've got to admit that I'm pretty lousy i I'm more interested in doing the barbecue every Saturday morning than actually
1: <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, well, look, you're not the first person we get told that you think know, you're only good for the barbecue, so you know you probably won't be the last either, but um Mate, tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, Castle Hill and obviously, you know, it was 40 years last year. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the growth of the club and, you know, what what makes Castle Hill tick?
0: It's evolved a lot because of technology. Um, ever since I got involved with the club, we, we, we seem to always be looking out for the next person. So, therefore, when I was doing with Matt Watson was VP when I was president or when I was VP and somebody else was, Mark Gilchrist was president, we're, we're generally looking at a few years ahead, okay, we're targeting people. Those listening from Castle Hill right now are going, Oh, great, I'm being targeted right now. And I'll say, Yes, you are. If if you're showing any sort of interest, personality wise, character wise, whatever, or some sort of technical wise, yeah, we've got it. We're scouting you. We are scouting you from a few years out to possible projections of who will be president or vice president. And so this is. Since I've been around the club, this is what I've done. We look around to see who's going to not shadow us, but who one day take over, who's got the potential skill. Yeah. Um, that so that's with that we're always we're, we've always, we've got a very big committee. We're, the committee's not short of hands, and we tend to um. Well, I know, I know just for myself, I try to show great enthusiasm because that's who I am. I know nothing really of the game. I've umpired the game. I've learned some of the rules. Well, you have to as an umpire. But I look for people skill who can show certain skills in certain areas, like, like a VP of juniors. I'm the wrong guy in the position right now because I'm not a driver. I've got no skin in the game. I'm not, I'm not driving this forward. We need a new VP of juniors. I, in general, make Woodbank a better president because I'm more of a diplomat. I'm more, I don't mind the politics. I don't mind getting involved with there's a bit of um, a raff or whatever, but the reality is I, I play a better president role than vice president role. So therefore, and certain other people, we just trying to make sure the right people are in the right positions Yeah, because that is the start of the um, building of the club.
1: I, I saw, I think it was last season, you guys had a working bee. I've never seen so many people at a working bee in my life. That's and encouraging. And, but it was just great to see. Like, you normally see one or two guys sitting there with a shovel and do whatever, but you had a cast of thousands, you know, and you even promoted it. You know, you're going to feed them. You're going to give them water and drink and all that. That's great. Like, I wish every club would do that. Like you know, some clubs are flat out, you know, to mark, mark the field here and you guys are there doing a work and be getting all your cutouts right before the start of the season. And that tells me that
0: there's a lot of passion at the club. I'm glad you noticed that. Thank you. Um, I, that's actually last because last year I wasn't there to, to see that, what, you're, what you saw. Um, but I'm encouraged by that. I'm always encouraged by people who put their hands up, people who want to give back to the community, and that's the message. I know that's the message I want to do. I stopped working. I w- was working all, and I wanted clients want to see me on Saturday morning Saturday, and Saturday. I stopped doing that because why? I want to give back to the community. We. I don't see it as a thing where oh, there's my duty. I've got to do it. So I want to inspire other people to give back to the community, to stand on the shoulders of those before you, to, to to do it for not. You're not just doing it for the kids. You're doing we're doing it for adult entertainment. It's like the kids. We think <laughs> oh, we're doing it for the kids. We're not. We're doing this for ourselves. It's about us, our entertainment for Saturday morning. It's about us being excited about our, watching our kids or not watching them, um, and we. <laughs> We just enjoy it. It's about us adults, not about the kids. The kids just look forward to the lollies or the ice cream afterwards, or, you know, or the, the sausage sandwich that I make for them. But it's, I just find that's the culture that's said if we have the attitude of we need to give back to the community and the moment you start finding it a burden where you find it, oh, it, it, this is hard work and I don't enjoy it anymore and therefore you start begrudging it, what happens then is you're better off getting out at that point because you grudge what you do.
1: And your numbers, your numbers at Castle Hill are phenomenal. And I was saying this off air, like you you just grow every year and what's the secret behind that? What's the secret to to such good numbers every single season?
0: Okay, so I can't help you with this season because I came in when the numbers were done, but My general attitude was always when we do try T-Ball, we do try T-Ball. We don't try T-Ball. I think they changed it this year and whether that worked or not. When we did, we just did try T-Ball and we advertised heavily in the schools. And plus, of course, we've got the numbers. So therefore numbers build numbers. You know what I mean? So it's not, once we're built up to a certain point, we really, we really can't grow any higher than three hundred. I think the club's been at maximum three hundred twenty judges at one a few years back, and we can't. We really can only handle three hundred. We can't really. We just don't have the capacity to do it. So that is always our goal: a little three hundred. I think we're a few this year of that, but that's our goal. But just first, heavily on. T-ball, 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 T-ball. We know that that's the bottom. We've got to get our base. Yeah. We've got to get our extra base. We've got to get that just because we know if we fall off that in any particular year, the following few years, other the numbers will be affected. And
1: Castle Hill, not not only Castle Hill, but you know, like you've also got Sydney Winter, also. You know, under Castle Hill too now, which is, which is great. It's great to see that you know there's a another another team in the Sydney Winter Competition, and um, quite successful also.
0: Yes. So, the, my last year as president, that was when uh, it was talked about when Hawkesbury were going to struggling to find the numbers that this is when Castle Hill made a, a manoeuvre to take that role. Yeah. Um, only because Hawkesbury, we weren't going to take it from Hawkesbury, but we were just going to just take over if they couldn't um,
1: yeah, fill I'm a team that.
0: anymore. Yeah. So we took over it and we're fortunate with the relationship we have with Borgham Hills that we know we're a feeder club to Borgham Hills and so therefore yeah. it was a chance. I think when Matt Watson then became president, he really wanted to give our juniors somewhere to go for the winter. So the the, the, the the quality of the um sorry the quality juniors that wanted to play more than just Esky League, that they could um play some better competition and then hopefully feed on to Borgham Hills or maybe Blacktown or wherever uh, they need to go. But that was Matt's goal and the Castle Hills goal become a feeder team for the, um, the the Summer Major League.
1: And you've had great results in the first couple of years that you've been in the comp too, which is great. You know, like that doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, success breeds success. And people obviously want to go and play at the club because it is successful. And... That's that's a great credit to, to the club. Like the club's doing something about it. The club's giving kids an opportunity, which you know, I think a lot of clubs could learn from. You know, having that next step and also, you know, having the quality players that you've got, playing for Castle Hill in the winter, um, that, that's gotta help.
0: It does. I there's Mind you, remember, I've been out of the game for three years, so I yeah. haven't seen the results. Uh, you think, Matt, you think I follow the results and I see what's going on.
1: <laughs> when I'm out,
0: I'm out. And so it's only now that I'm back in that I'll really be able to see the results going on. So um, I credit the co- the coaching staff who I believe coach Borco during the summer, yeah. the, the pretty similar staff coach us in the winter. That we're we are fortunate, we're lucky. We we li- we live in a good baseball area. It's, I mean, fair dink of it. I mean, baseball in Castle Hill is bigger than cricket in Castle Hill. That's really it is. And so we're we're fortunate that we've got some good people, really good people. And yeah, we have our problems, we have our issues, and we have people that you know some don't get along, and some. Like to criticize others and stuff, but hey, that's life. That's just yeah. that's just the way it is.
1: <laughs> oh, look, and it happens every. Like we get criticized on this show, we don't care because at the end of the day, we're doing something nobody else does, and you know it's, it's just the way it is. But you know, back to back to Castle Hill, Um mate. Anyone will want to go and play Knights Field with that short portrait left field. They didn't put the fence up ten feet. Why? It's, it's, not, it's not called the homodome for nothing. So,
0: I'll give you that. I'll give you some. It's 312 feet to the center field, 308 to left field, and 308 to right field. Okay, that's that's why we had the fences raised, so you had to hit it a bit better than just do a love tap over, you know,
1: because, <laughs> um, you know, that that's one of the things that I guess. The first time you go to Castle Hill, you look at that short porch and you go, jeez, that's inviting."
0: And it, you want to swing for that fence, and it, it catches many a man and woman out when they think, "Well, this is going to be easy." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's <laughs> yeah.
1: Look, everyone, everyone adjusts adjusts their um their you know, their sort of what they're going to do, how they're going to hit, and I was like, well, you know should be the same swing, the same plane. It shouldn't matter. But what you want to see, everyone, everyone's trying to lift the ball. Everyone's trying to put it over the fence. So
0: One good thing at Castle at the Knightsfield is we have a batter's eye and it really stood out to me. My son, Solo, he uh, he went down to Adelaide to play for the Blue Sox recently. He said, Dad, they don't have a batter's eye down here. I, could, I, I, I couldn't see the ball. I don't know how they see it. I just couldn't see it. And so we boast we have a batter's eye in Castle Hill, you know.
1: <laughs> so, Mark, obviously, you know, forty years last year, um, big milestone. Obviously, you know, um, Winstow's up for their fortieth year this this
0: year. So, well, no, last year as well.
1: Oh, it was this year, I believe, so or last year, whatever it was, forty years. I was looking I was looking at um, I did a little bit of research and um have quite a few life members.
0: Who? Windsor or Castle Hill?
1: Castle Hill Well
0: I could say that we just give them out of a cornflake packet. Hey um <laughs> Like when I when I first got my first motorbike license at seventeen, I just pulled it out of my Wheaties packet and got it and had three crashes and gave up after that because I didn't know how to ride. But I get with because I guess we've got the people who are at Castle Hill. They they seem people. Most people seem either devoted or loyal there, and so people put a lot of hard yards in there. Yeah. You may see all the diamonds up on our fence at Castle at Castle Glen, yep. there's a lot of people who put in a lot of hard yards. And so I guess at some point they graduate to uh, life members because they're still putting in. And I'm not a life member. I'm not worthy yet. <laughs> not, not that I I'm really gonna, care.
1: I'll put in a nomination but... for you, mate. I'm going to put a nomination in for you.
0: <laughs> well, it's too late. We're having our fortieth this week and I'm the MC and I'm coordinating everything. And um there are people that shall remain nameless that are going to be getting life membership. But I'm not getting one and I'm not giving them out. So that's okay. I, so you, For a block, so you, I've never adding... swung a bat. I've never thrown a ball in my life, so fair if I do not deserve a life membership.
1: I think I think last we saw that 103 life members, which is pretty big numbers. It's, Do we uh, have that? Ma- I think it was 103. Wow. Andy, Andy Courtney and I were doing a um, doing a live stream of the Winter Grand Final, and yeah. we we had a list. I think it was like a hundred odd on there. It was ridiculous, and yeah, we're, we're going through some of the names. It was just like. Yeah, it was just crazy. It was going through, like, the Eatons and guys like that that have been around forever. And, you know, it was just like, it was just crazy
0: numbers. And they're still around. Yeah, still playing too. They're still playing. And he's still taking out the photos for us for our, every year for all our teams. He's still, Tom Eaton, what a great guy. Um, No, it's funny. When I first saw these guys 15-odd years ago, Everyone looks so young and fit and healthy, even good looking. But now we're <laughs> old we're fat. We're getting on, you know, getting closer to our grave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, mate, just, just you know, obviously, you know, we, we don't want to go through too, too much of um, your scene on the weekend. But um, you know, is there any 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 little tips or any little secrets that you could drop?
0: About the fortieth, yeah. Well, Mark Gilchrist, the former president from two presidencies ago, is going to be giving away the life membership. So he's he's honoured to be able to. I mean, he's with joy. He's actually giving it away, um, or giving the life membership. Giving yeah, we do seem to give it away. Uh, <laughs> but he's doing that. What else is? Um, Big night. John Yard's just confirmed that he's coming along. We're going. Woohoo, Johnny Yard! He's, we're excited <laughs> by Mr. Yard. It's he's been around sad. for like ever. He, I think, he's a life member of every club in Sydney, Australia. So it's uh, a <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's really good. We're, we've got people, ex presidents, coming down from Queensland who found out about it on Facebook. Yeah, we've got a band. We've got a band. I'm telling you, we've got the Squid Bunchies playing and they are going to two, do two big one-hour sets, which seriously, these guys are going to rock the house down, the Squid Bunchies. And one of the band members was a former Castle Hill Knight player and a father of his kids played through. I won't tell who it is. Anthony Benici, just throwing that in. Um, who else? What else? We're. I've got some serious games going on. And for your listeners, if anybody is turning up to the event, the game. if you know, if you know, get to know your Who's On First from Abbott and Costello, get to know Ferris Bueller, get to know Baseball and Seinfeld, get to know uh, a little bit of history from 1983, you could win your table at $100 as we throw $100 down for the winner to buy drinks for that table each time. Okay, so...
1: So I I'm just trying to find the Squid Munchies. I'm just looking them up. Um, yeah. Let me have a look. I've never heard of the Squid Munchies.
0: Oh, okay. they play covers. They covers. They play covers.
1: Right. I even just tried to look up look them up on Spotify. I like even I'm on Spotify but they're not. So I don't know what's going on there. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, squid good. Matt, Squid S Q U I D okay Squid okay. Yeah. Squid. okay.
1: I don't know I'll work it out but um, mate, let, let's transition off off Castle Hill and um, let's sort of go over into the, into the pro ball baseball life of, of solo because you know this, this part sort of really excites me because it's it's always good to sort of get your experience from that, not just his experience, but also being a dad of a kid that signed pro so young um, and sort of going through, you know, what, what was it like for yourself? Like, was it a pinch me moment? Was it a I can't believe this is happening moment?
0: Um, he, from an early age, he wanted to sign Probably as a, a 9, 10-year-old, a he wanted to go professional.
1: Yeah.
0: He had no ambition for college. He was good at school. He was smart at school, but he had no ambition. He wanted to sign. And so I got a tap on my shoulder when he was about 12. So that's, you know, there are There's a scout looking at you already. I won't name yeah. the club or anything, but there's a, someone just you know got a... A bit of interest. And so what happened then was when he was about, okay, generally Solomon's attitude, whenever he went to big tournaments, whether it be Little League, Nationals, State Championships, or whether he went anywhere overseas to play, whatever he did, he just knew he had to perform. There was no excuse not to perform. He was playing on the big stage now. Because he wanted to go professional, it was not even an option of, oh, I just had a bad series or "or maybe next time. It was like, no, there are people watching. I love people watching. I am going to perform, yeah. whether it be the new AYC or whatever it was. And so this is what helped stand... Out And so, therefore, as a – he made the under-18 Australian team to go to Korea in the World Cup as a 16-year-old.
1: yeah.
0: And he knew himself. He was very fortunate because it was only him and, I think, Jake Burns. um, Travis Bazzana was a year young as well, and so he went, Jake Burns. And so he just knew there were going to be a lot of scouts there. And there was already interest. People were already approaching me from the AYC, talking to me, scouts. And at that very point, when he performed over there in Korea, he blew it out the door. He just did exceptionally well as pretty much the youngest person there in the world at that point. At that point, I had eighteen. I had eighteen clubs to showing interest in him. Well, the other twelve, I don't know where they were, but there was (laughs) there was eighteen. There was eighteen, and we he knew, and we knew, and when we talked about it, we knew he was in a strong bargaining position at that point. Yeah, of course, in him. So I don't know if I'm answering your question.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, just transitioning off that, you know, how. How do how did you sort of navigate through that as a parent? Like, despite having you know, obviously you know it's you're trying to do the best thing for your son, but how do you navigate that as a parent? Like, what goes through your head? Do you have to sort of sit there and go, you know, this is what he wants to do, which is great, but how do you how do you sort of sit down with him and go, well, mate, where do you want to go? Like, is is that is that sort of how the story went, or
0: well? <sighs> He wanted a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted, it um, didn't matter American, Australian, didn't matter. He wanted a million dollars. He thought, eh, I'm worth that much. And he knew as an Australian, and he knew that as an international prospect, you don't get much. The Dominicans get all the money, they really do. Then maybe the Japanese, then maybe the Koreans, Taiwanese. Then maybe the Australians and we get leftovers with the Czechoslovakians and the South Africans and the yeah. Italians or whatever else, right? <laughs> so we're we we're, we're the last dog at the bowl. Right? We're the last Australia, we're the last dog at the bowl. Yeah where's that from? That's right, right. Um and so we knew that, but with that many clubs chasing him, he also knew his worth. Well he thought he knew his worth. And so therefore we set a figure. Yeah. he set the figure. Yeah. I didn't I just did the negotiating for him. I didn't set any figure, it was him, all him. I didn't tell him what club to go with, I didn't tell him what anything but the reality was when I as I tell parents now, don't think don't approach scouts. Don't they know they're looking, they're watching your kid, but once a scout approaches you, Then it's open game. You can talk to them as much as you like, send them as much videos you like. You can make their job make their job easy in some sense. And so that's what we did. We had a video all the time. Every time he'd hit a home run or hit did something of significant significance, I'd send it to all the scouts. And so because I knew we had to sell ourselves, but they were also selling themselves to us. And you know, there were some clubs that, you know, we we liked. I mean, we really liked the, the way the twins, the certain clubs when we were in America took us around, their, all their facilities showing us around the Royals, the Twins. They were, and we really liked them. We were really sort of sentimental. <laughs> because I like to, so I wish there was 18 of them and I could divide them up and just, and, to all the <laughs> right, because, I'm a softy at heart. I'm really, I wish I could say yes to everybody, but we just knew we couldn't. So therefore, yeah, I was being Mr. Nice Guy, but when it came to the people putting money on the table, that's, that's when it got very interesting at that very point. It was, uh, you see, quite a few start bailing at that point. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and that obviously weeds out the, the ones that are just there to sort of see what you're going to offer. Compared to the ones that are there for genuine reasons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, so one so, thing, yeah, sorry. One club offered first. They took us all, they came, flew over, they took us out for dinner. My wife, you know, my daughter, my son took us all out special, came, did a special training session with him. But unfortunately, their offer wasn't enough. It was nowhere near what we wanted. Yep. And yet, it was the start. It was the start. That was the building. The Yankees th- flew three guys over just for one One said just for Solomon. They flew over and we had a training session at Knightsfield, a private yep. training session. Nobody else was there. I threw wonderful BP. Many balls were lost deep into the bush, hitting the Black Snake, Goannas and everything else in the back of Knightsfield. Many balls were not recovered, but the Yankees. <laughs> didn't come up, and they threw three guys out, flew three guys over. They popped out as well, but they didn't come up with the goods, whereas the Pittsburgh Pirates did come up with the goods.
1: Yeah. So did Tony Tony obviously sign Solomon?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. So obviously that would give you some confidence too that, you know, Australian, Australian scouts sign an Australian kid. You know, did that sort of weigh much into the negotiations?
0: What was good was having Tony. You know, you got someone who's on your side. You got someone. You got someone who's looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, and Tony was so good with Solomon because every time Tony would go overseas, then he would always follow up with Solomon. He'd always when Solomon when they wanted with the amount of money that Solomon was asking. The pirates didn't buckle. They said, "Well, he's asking this much. We're going to have to compare him with the best in the world internationally. We have to fly him to the Dominican Republic." The pirates flew him, and so us parents, we let Solomon go. He went on his own to the Dominican Republic as a sixteen-year-old. He went with nobody else. They picked him up at the airport. They and so this is the commitment the pirates threw into him. So it was more than talk real action because they want to see your kid wants a million bucks. Well, let's see if he can compete with the Dominicans who, when they hand out 7 million bucks to the Dominicans or 5 million bucks yeah. to the Dominicans. Um, so let's see if he can compete with those guys here. And they, the, the pirates really put a lot of investment into him. And so that helped with the deal and to have Tony all the time, um, just always visiting him, always supporting him, always checking in on him, was a big deal. That that care, that concern, that meant a lot. And
1: for people that don't know, when we talk about Tony, we're talking about Tony Harris, um, who's obviously Tony Harris. who's an international scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates and also the Sydney Blue Sox manager. Just so anyone that doesn't know Tony, but um, yeah, like so when. You know, obviously Mark, you know, he signs and he signs with um you know, with Pittsburgh. And how did you find out? Was it a phone call from Solomon or was it a call from Tony or
0: You know, I'm gonna just move spots here for a moment, okay, because I'm getting very bad reception. Is it this is un, this is not natural, okay? I'm sorry, but I'm gonna move okay. my my chair. That's fine. Right now. This is
1: this is this is why we love going live, because anything can happen.
0: And this is what's happened because in that spot there, the reception in my play, Kellyville, has lousy reception in Kellyville. <laughs> lousy reception.
1: Well, I'm just down the road. I'm just at Tullawam. I'm just down the road. So Oh, the end of the train line. <laughs> yeah, end the end of the metro. It's how everyone remembers it. Where do you live? At the end of the metro. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good. At least you, at least you get a, spot, a seat on the train when you're coming in all the time.
1: No, I, um, I drive. I don't like trains. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like public transport, Mark. It's terrible. <laughs> that's just not what it is. So, yeah, obviously, no. So how did you find out that he was signing with, with Pittsburgh? Was it a phone call from him or was it a phone call from Tony or?
0: It was a phone call from. The general manager and the vice, the vice, the the vice, what, what do you call it? The um, who's the second in charge? The v, the, the not, yeah, the vice president, vice, whatever, the um, yeah. assistant, assistant GM, yeah, GM, assistant GM, and it was at one o'clock in the morning because we'd said no to the pirates three times already. With the money that they offer no and honestly tony had come over my wife baked scones for him and everything you know and uh and, and this was at our other place in kellyville and he and we just had to say to tony no no it's no deal and then um and my son was a bit shocked because i i i, <laughs> I was in the position what are we doing here really what 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 is this meeting for when you know what we want, that we, why are we having this? And the GM was on the phone then as well, on the FaceTime with me as well. And my wife said, you can't be that rude. You can't. I said, I'm not, I'm just saying no. But my <laughs> son was, you can't, you can't be like that. I said, son, please, just, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and so finally, when the pirate said, Mark, We've turned over every cushion in our office, and there's no extra money. This is all we have. <sighs> Solomon finally said, "Yep, just chop talk, um, top up the uh, college fund just in case he fails international." And they, they topped up the college fund. You know, so there's a lot of money there just in case for if he needs to go to college over there. Yeah, and so. That added up at the time to uh, a, good, a good amount. The amount that he was asking for, it all added up. And at one o'clock in the morning, the day before he went back to school for his year 12, he had a goal that he wanted to sign before doing his year 12. And on the day before, or well, that morning at one o'clock, we, did, we secured the deal with the GM, the assistant GM and the head of international scouting over there. They were all on the phone, and so we agreed then to the. Nice. Do- <laughs> yeah,
1: it sounds like you're negotiating for a new car, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: no, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I had to, I guess I was a little bit ballsy about it all, but oh, you gotta be. And I like to say yes. I wish I could say yes to every offer quickly and get it over and done with it, just move oh, on. But, Likely, I was representing my son, and so therefore I just had to, I I just had to hang in there and just go yeah. for it, take the you risk.
1: Only, you only signed once, so you know, yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's probably a big deal. You know, you only sign once, you you've got to make it worth it. And um, so you know, so obviously, you no, know, his solo has been three years now, is it? Three years, two years,
0: three years, correct. Three he was injured. Yeah. Really, only been two years, but he was injured all last year. Um, which was a hard, very hard on him.
1: Yeah, but um, mate, he turned it around
0: the ABL this year. Oh, he had his patches. <laughs> he, had it, he had his drop trots when he go to Adelaide or Brisbane. He had it, you know, he had his. But he did turn around. He, he all they cared, all the Pittsburgh Pirates cared about was get at bats. That's it. Get at bats. We don't care how you do, just get at bats. And so. Yeah, he he had he had some promising times. He really did. He really did.
1: I just find <laughs> it funny that he's hitting home runs in the biggest ballparks, and um, you know he's doing nothing in the little ballparks. But anyway, it's uh, it's always fun to watch.
0: <laughs> Solomon's fortunate. He he invests a lot into his own mind, and so therefore he has his own um, mind strengthening coach in the United States, and he would yeah. ring him up and spend a good hour with him on the phone just talking about anything and everything about what's, what's happening in his mind, about the process, about what to block out, what not to block out, how to act, how to be. It was so helpful, his mind strengthened. Well, we've
1: lost Mark. Well, he's come back. Hang on a sec. Oh, you're back.
0: Yeah. Oh, you lost me. Yeah, it's okay. The mind strengthening coach. He was. He swears by it. So therefore, he. It's so helpful. He just knows. Everything is in his mind. He, He knows his swing is good. He know. He went to um, at the end of last year's Pittsburgh season, he didn't get to play at all because of uh, the injury, but he went to driveline in Seattle for a month yeah. on the bat. He, he paid for it himself. Him and Clayton Campbell went there um, and just spent a month in high-intensity training and helped him dramatically, yeah. dramatically.
1: And, you know, watching watching him sort of grow in the Blue Sox also was, was good to see this year. He looked really comfortable. He looked like, you know, he was really enjoying his baseball. And, you know, that, that's good to see for a young kid too, that he, you know, he looked like he was, he was really enjoying it. He's thriving, you know, obviously moving him up the order a little bit helped too. Um, you know, Tony sort of balanced around with where he was sort of hitting. But, um, yeah, he sort of found his niche at the top of the top of the lineup at times there and, you know, he, he delivered. And um, yeah, it's always good to see you know when kids sort of you know get it all together and they they just start you know playing really really well and obviously it's going to bring him into a really good stead into into this season.
0: Correct. He was yeah he was sometimes confused about why, the, but hey, that's the, like that's the coach which wants to do or the manager, sorry, uh, but. He, yeah, he loves it. He loves high-pressure situations. He loves clutch situations. Yeah. Love I mean, he thrives. He, want, he made it messes up at times. doesn't come through with the goods, but yeah. he really is to it. And, and he loves the crowd. He loves his name being chanted. He loves the crowd going crazy. And he loves the heckling. He loves a bit of abuse. He, 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 he wants it. So, therefore, <laughs> he, he's preparing himself for the big leagues, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, um, mate, we're having a bit of a chat off air. And I, I actually I want to ask this question I, because I think it's quite intriguing. So, we're, we're talking about player numbers. And, obviously, you know, he wears 10 for the Blue Sox and um, is it 50, 50 for Australia? Do you want to share that story with us?
0: It's actually 10 for Australia and 50 for the Blue well, Sox.
1: See, i got no idea. That's why that's why I run the podcast and not anything else. Uh,
0: the, the thing is, and this is the weird stuff, 50, 5-0 oh, looks like S-O, 10 looks like L-O, solo. low. So <laughs> that is pure... Reason behind all that is either uh, fifty. So if he could wear fifty ten or five thousand and ten on his shirt, he would. He would. <laughs> there's solo. So that is the only reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I thought it might have been. You know, fifty would have been his favourite number, or ten was his favourite number, or but no, it's
0: just uh, it just. It's 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 he even gets embarrassed with the name solo in the sense of because you know his walkout song this year for the Blue Sox was what was it Hey ho Hey ho and I'd be being a buffoon in the crowd I'd go Hey ho Solo you know and he goes Dad Dad you are taking it too far now just keep it at Hey ho So he should, should have
1: got the he should got the mic off Phil then you could have done like a duet that would have been good.
0: Uh, you know, Matt, I don't need a mic because anybody who goes to Blue Sox games knows I am the guy with the biggest voice who will yell out, hey, Solo, you can do it. And all the crowd would respond, yes, you can. So, buddy, I don't need a mic. But oh.
1: anyone, anyone that's watched the Blue Sox game now knows officially that Mark McGuire is the one that starts that chant. You can well. do it. That's an exclusive here on the Extra Base podcast.
0: And you want to hear it more exclusive? I plagiarize. Yeah. I, 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 nothing original of what I do. I've got that. You can do it from the movie The Waterboy. Hey, Water Boy. Hey, Waterboy, you can do it. Shane
1: Harris said, Yes, you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and that started, I, see, never, the Yes, You Can actually didn't start with me. It was four, 12 13 year old kids that were just sitting themselves all over the stadium one day, and I would yell out uh, to say, Mike, ja- Mike Jarvis, you can do it. And then the, the four of them went yelled out, Yes, he can. And I thought, Oh, this works. This works. And they would move themselves all over the stadium doing this. This, yes, you finally turned into yes, you can. And then then it just erupted one day where, you know, I'd like to hold out for big moments in the game. I, otherwise, I don't want to do it. You can do it and waste, waste the moment. And so when it's a big moment in the game, you can do it. And then the crowd in one euphoric, in unison voice, it was just, yes, you can. It became a bit of a chant, became a bit of a, a blue socks thing. Well, see,
1: the Blue Sox used to have the cowbells, and they used to have whatever else they have. Now they've just got Martin McGuire. so what? They don't need anything else now.
0: They don't need they, they don't need anything else, and um, but they do because what I yell out is not baseball. It's just again because I've got no history in the game, I've got no sentimentality in the game. Um, I just yell out idiotic things. Um, <laughs> I've decided, hey, I want to be entertained, so I might as well entertain myself.
1: <laughs> so I have a question because I, I honestly want to know myself, but was Solomon always an outfielder?
0: No, he started as – most players start as shortstop. Yeah. And he only got put in the outfield because – one year in the junior league, it was little league. He was shortstop for Hills, and when he went onto the nationals, there. But it was only when there was we had a lot of guys. A few there was three guys that could play shortstop, and because he was the fastest in the team, he um, he got put out there at center field, only yeah. because he was in the team and he could he could glove a ball comfortably. And that's when he started falling in love with the outfield. He actually thought, "I never want to go back to the infield again. <laughs> I've got more time to see the ball here in the outfield."
1: <laughs> well, well, Craig, Brianna, Shipley,
0: Craig Shipley saw him recently, uh, about a year ago, uh, doing some practice, and Craig Shipley said, "Hey, you want to come over and play infield? You, you know, to come over to with us play infield because." You'd still make a great infielder. He goes, no way. Outfield is where I live now. So
1: <laughs> yeah, because like he wants to, he, like I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of torn. I mean, Been an outfielder myself. You know, it's always nice to be out there. But um, the problem is, there's no one to back you up out there. It's only the fence. So I guess the shortstop, if they screw up, that's okay. They got the outfielders behind them. But the outfielders screw up, there's nowhere else to go.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. That's where you get taught how to back each other up out there. The right left fielder needs to cover the ground, correct? Error or in case there's a um, uh, what are they? What's the a troubled ball? So they say, you know, trouble. <laughs> a trouble tr- trouble ball.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sort of. I was watching. I was watching the game. I can't remember. It was an ABL game. I was watching, and um, yeah, center Fiddle laid out. Obviously left fielder coming in behind threw the third runner at it too. I was like, well, oh, that's what you get. Like, that's good backing up. But, you know, I guess there's always that lost art. Like, I'm not sure what it is, but you watch a lot of kids these days and, you know, especially in juniors and, you know, balls hit the centre field and the left fielder and the right fielder just stand there and watch it and go, oh, yeah, well, okay, it's the centre fielder's guy. And, like, you sort of think to yourself, you know, these kids should be backing up, but they don't. And then they... You know, you have all these little league home runs or in the park home runs and things like that going on. And it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's like carnage, I guess. <laughs> you just watch all these kids that are running everywhere after the ball. And yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's
0: hard to watch. I, I suppose that's a, probably a good standard then of if a kid has a chance of going somewhere in the game, you can just see, all right. Is he backing up his centre fielder, uh, left or right fielder? If, he, if he's doing that, that's a good sign that he's pretty cluey and he's actually – he's reading the game and he's thinking he's playing it. Uh, as they, What do they say? They always talk about you play two positions if yep. you're not getting it, play it. And so they're the, they're the cluey ones. They're the ones who could potentially go on with the game because they're just showing smarts early. Yeah.
1: So – we, we talk about, you know, obviously, you know, Solomon representing Australia and um,
0: had a wow of the time.
1: Who was his manager back then?
0: Who was his manager?
1: Yeah, from the Australian side.
0: Oh, who was? Okay, I was thinking, hey, I'm his manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's playing,
1: he's playing manager. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's real here, hey. Um t- you're talking to a novel, a, a guy who I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Mark. It doesn't matter, but it look, does matter. I should know this stuff, and I don't.
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, Mark, before before we go, um, look, I, I've really enjoyed you know, learning more about number one Castle Hill and the good things you're doing, and obviously, you know Solomon and his his journey, and obviously. We wish him the best of luck for the for the rest, like the start of this new season. Um, you know, I'd love to see him up in the majors, making the bigs. That would be awesome. Uh, you know, that would be sort of one of those things that you know, him, him, and Travis Pizana are up there together. I guess um, you know, playing it out. That'd
0: be that'd be good to watch. Two Aussies. They're best of friends. You know, seriously, they're not just know they're best of friends. They're in contact weekly. Yeah, those guys—they just talk all the time, baseball or they go play when together. Um, him, Jimmy Natai, i think Jake comes up now and again, but Clayton Campbell—they just play sports together. All those guys.
1: Yeah, and they're a good bunch of guys too. Like I I remember still watching them when they were twelve-year-olds running around, so you know,
0: little league level. So it was especially. You know, that was a special era. They, they, those guys, Travis, Jimmy, Solo, Clayton, Jake Burns, and there's a whole lot of others. There was, like Dylan, there was a whole Dylan Martin at the time. There was a whole bunch of others that were just the same age group, Mac, uh, Blake Cavill, uh Pearl. They were just there. There was a special group that came through that was um, – I'm sure I've missed out a few names as well, so I apologise to anybody else. But these guys – you know, that might, might be a one in 20 years, a group of guys coming along like that, you
1: know? Yeah. And I was actually listening back to my chat with Tony Harris um, earlier today, actually, I was listening to Tony Harris and um, he was talking about, you know, getting kids or more Aussie kids and obviously more New South Wales kids to come back and play for the Blue Sox. He's very passionate about having Aussie kids playing and, Wants to make it, you know, a place where he wants them to come back. He wants them to feel welcome, you know, to come back and play for, you know, for Sydney, for their home club, and um, you know that that's really encouraging. Obviously, you know like obviously you know, AJ was there this season, Clayton was there this season, Solo was there. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a good young foundation to build, you know, build a mm-hmm. club that's around. Um, Love to see Trav back. That'd be awesome, but um...
0: that'll be a hard one. That will be a hard one when you're <laughs> in US or whatever, and they'll probably just put him in the Arizona league or whatever. Yeah, that will be a hard one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, he's he's on a video game cover, so he's done something right.
0: <laughs> you should see how much he got for all the cards. He all the baseball cards he had to sign. How much he got for that? Oh, stop it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was looking at it the other day. And I'm like, wow, he's, 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 got, he's got himself on the front of a video video game, so he's not doing too bad. So, <laughs> you know, it's um, – no, but look, it, it's good to see. Like, it's, it's good to see that young bunch of kids. And, you know, Blake Cavill's kicking goals um overseas, you know, at college. And, you know, it's, it's good to see so many young kids you know, you go over there like Jalen Ray, he's kicking goals over there too, which is great to see.
0: And yeah, the, you get even like the, the Brent Iredale, apparently, is yeah. just doing well. And even I, I even, even hear from Wayne Edwards, his son Will, he's, he's putting pushing and doing well in college over there as well. It's just names that may not be high on the radar for here in Australia, but they're. They're pushing hard over there and they're gonna build either they'll get signed one day or they're gonna come back here and play for the Blue Sox one day. You yeah. know?
1: And that's good. That's what you want. You know, and you know, and as Tony was saying the other week, the other month, whatever it was, but he was saying it's um, you know, he'd love to have a core Australian group like Adelaide do, you know, and that'd be that'd be awesome. You know, have have a whole bunch of Sydney kids playing at that level. That's that's where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be bringing in 300 imports. You know, it's it's more about having having a cool group of guys. And obviously all these guys are played together too. So, you know, that, that also helps. And they're good mates. So they're good mates. It, it's obviously going to transition into into a positive clubhouse, and that's what you want.
0: It wouldn't be too bad as well to get, you know, those Newcastle boys back as well, Rickson and w- Wingrove and Lachlan Wells, you know. <laughs> yeah. Get them back in the New South Wales fold. And where is the closer they have, that the, the bearded? Todd, who's the stencil. Isn't he a New South Wales boy?
1: Yeah. Luke Wilkins, he's a New South Wales guy.
0: Yeah, got... we we could start off with a state of origin game, couldn't we, really?
1: Yeah. Well, then you've also got, like, Michael Campbell playing at Canberra. He can, you know, he can shorten his trip by three hours and stop in the city instead of going to Canberra. So, yeah.
0: you know, we're and it's Fulton um, um, yeah,
1: Fulton and yeah. Bajowski, they were both in Canberra
0: yep, I mean the potential the potential is there to build but you can yeah. really tell in the ABL you can really tell the, the older mature guys who have been around for many years because even like Solomon, yeah he had, a, he had an okay season but he's still the youngest in the team but yeah. you've got the these older Australian guys who've been around and they're seasoned campaigners. We lack. I mean, now we've we got, you know, we've got, um, who do we got? got Candleless. Candless, yeah. And, um, oh, Shep, uh, Zach Shepard, you know. Yeah. So, um, they, they report Solomon really looks up to these guys. Well,
1: you know, like even, like Jacob you know, Innes had a year off. You know, so you know, that, that's a big loss for the Blue Sox, yeah. also. You know, like Jacob's a quality guy and, you know, he's an exceptional player. And, you know, like they, they missed him this year, I think. Um, you know, having another guy like him in the lineup, they, now you've got veterans that have been doing it for years, like Max Brennan, you know, he's still, still there, thereabouts. You know, it's, it's good to see. It's, you know, like we're not in a bad, I don't think we're in a bad spot in the future with all these guys coming through.
0: It, it just, yeah, it takes a few years to build up. And we've got so many in college overseas and even, you know, one day they're going to come back and it's, it just takes a few years. Um, we are a nursery to all the other clubs, aren't we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Castle Hill is, yes. <laughs> so-
0: Castle Hill is a nursery, yes, and but Blue Sox are a nursery. Uh, New South Wales is a nursery to all the other uh,
1: yeah. yeah, pretty much. It's um. I wonder if based on New South Wales get any royalties off that? You know, that's a New South Wales guy. I have to sign a waiver or something. I'm Not sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that's another interview with a, another uh, MM.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> it's um. Right Michael. Well, thanks for your time tonight. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, good luck with everything on, on the weekend. I'm sure you'll you'll kill it being the MC. So
0: Oh, I'll kill it all right. Don't you worry about that. I will kill it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if anyone's got any video of that, um, so we can use it as evidence against Mark, that'd be great. And I'd love to put it on the podcast. That'd be awesome. But um you know, we'll I'll have to speak to a couple of contacts I've got at Castle Hill to make sure that can happen. But it's, um
0: I've got nothing I've got nothing to hide. I, I already know. I enjoy I've just turned fifty nine. I enjoy my eccentricity. I'm proud of it. And so therefore, hey <laughs> I've done my job. I've raised my kids. Yep. I can die and now, you know.
1: <laughs> exactly right. Too easy, Mark. We'll take it easy. And um, thanks again for tonight.
0: Matt, thanks very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Yes. Thanks, mate. Bye bye.
1: Mark McGuire, that's a great chat. Mark's such a nice guy and, um, yeah, he's got so much yeah, knowledge about the game, even so, um, maybe he's never played the game himself, which is awesome. Um, Sunday night we have Matt O'Neill joining us. Um, people that don't know Matt O'Neill, um, Matt runs, he's the head coach out at Ride, but um, he also took, right over to the, I think it was Senior League World Series last year. So we're going to have a chat with him about all things baseball and his experiences. So um, that'd be a good chat on Sunday night. But uh, that's all we have for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we will see you on Sunday
0: at 7 o'clock. <laughs> so well. I want to rip the left field. That ball is going to be over the head of
1: Branderson at one hop, up against the wall. Sanchez will be at second with a double. his first hit big be hit in the big leagues.